1: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Tim Priest with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. We are all back from Los Angeles, some of us sooner than others. And the 45-27 outcome is about what we expected score-wise. That's what, uh, well, jeez. not
0: about it, it's a about, it's, about, <laughs> it's, about, <laughs>
1: it's about what we expected. It's exactly what O'Malley expected yeah. because he picked it. Which is a fine way to end the season, Tim. Congratulations. He, he now uh, gets a free year subscription to irisholustrade.com. I'm going to wear my
0: T-shirt every time I make a pick next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody pause. we got to put this on. But, okay. uh, but uh, I, I
1: mean, obviously a lot more than just the outcome of the game. Brian Kelly uh, made a definitive statement after the game that he would be returning. And then a few hours later had to make another definitive statement because ESPN and Yahoo were reporting that that uh, him and his representatives were looking around in Brian Kelly I would imagine that now puts it to rest right I mean that's the the cock crow twice he said it he
0: said it twice now it's just amazing if he doesn't put <clears throat> if he leaves now yeah I, I mean, yeah, I mean,
2: nothing nothing would surprise me I've stopped being surprised by things around Notre Dame football, uh, because it's just it doesn't make sense to be surprised anymore. Yeah. Um, any anything could happen. I expect him to come back, yeah. But I won't be blown away if some. Well,
1: there, there's so much at stake and so much money involved that yes, when the, when you when you put those things <clears throat> into the equation, anything can happen. But it certainly doesn't. It certainly seems now like Brian Kelly will be back. For an eighth year, and that leads into a whole bunch of other questions and decisions that have to be made um, in a lot of different areas in terms of recruiting, in terms of coaching staff, defensive coordinator. Um,
0: the offseason at, is interesting he, to me.
1: At, yes, and and exactly, yeah. And, and you and, get an extra
0: month of it. Sell, yeah, yes, thankfully. Sell me on the offseason. Sell me as an Notre Dame fan.
1: Well, you can't, and and you know at, <laughs> you can't. I'm not even going to try. As, you literally cannot. At, <laughs> <laughs> well both of you guys wrote it yeah right I mean, so yeah. You, you can't no i'm not i'm not going to try to do that you can't do that it's Nording fans are, are going to go into the off season and go into the summer and, and next season very upset right now yes. and then by the time we get to august still very skeptical um you know as to what they'll be able to do in the eighth year the
2: the regime under brian kelly yeah, and I mean, as I sort of wrote in my column, there's really nothing he can say that should convince you that it's going to be different. Um, it's just action, yeah. and you're not going to know whether those actions were good, bad, or indifferent until this time next year when we're wrapping up the 2017 season. So there's just, there's just Notre Dame is at a real low point in terms of credibility with this football program, and you can have a discussion about whether that matters, whether you need to trust the head football coach at Notre Dame or not. Um, If you do, then you're going to have a really hard time getting behind the program. If you don't and just see Notre Dame's head football coach as the guy that calls plays and organizes practices, then it doesn't really matter. Um, But just the overall credibility, I think, of the football program, it took a major hit over the weekend, whether whether you want to believe... That he was never looking around, that he was kind of looking around, that he was looking around, whatever you want to believe. Um the faith that I think people have in Brian Kelly that you could take him at his word is,
0: is at a low point. I think that faith is tested because he's 31 and 20 since the Alabama game. Mm-hmm. And if he was 42 and 10 and you couldn't trust him, not as many people would care. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think that I don't think people trusted Brian Kelly's word ever since Philadelphia, when he went up to Philadelphia and they didn't want to hire him. And he pretended like he was just flirting with the NFL to see what it was all about because he was so curious about professional sports. But I I think if he was 42-10 and in that span, and you you know what, I added a game because they'd be making a bowl game this year, like the other 80 teams. They're the best 80 first-ranked team I've ever seen. Winning forgives everything. Yeah, yeah, so I I think that people haven't trusted him for a while. You don't have to trust him if he wins. You do have to trust him. Well, nor should if he, he try to
1: yeah. Nor should he try to make a pitch as to why this is suddenly going to turn around. It, 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 no, that, but I think Pete's. Fruitless. I think
0: Pete's right in that usually it's there's usually a message of why they'll be good from the coach from every not just from Brian Kelly from every yeah. coach in college football. Spring message, summer message. This year was do the ordinary things extraordinarily well. Lasted part of August, wow. and uh, yeah. So I think I don't think people trust him, and I think the the one good thing for Notre Dame going into the next season is. Pete mentioned we won't know until next year, and that's true, because you never know what could happen in November. But Notre Dame has four games where they could actually kind of impress people. When your worst game is at BC, if you end out of September, 4-0, I think a lot of people jump back on board for Notre Dame. If you beat Temple, Georgia, and win two road games, including Michigan State, I think everybody's like, see, I told you we should have kept that guy. But I, you know, yeah, then, of course, the fair. season has to play out. But September, it's a pretty good there's two things about September. It's a really rough schedule for Brian Kelly. Two true road games, which does not bode well. And, I mean, Georgia and Michigan State in September. Most teams don't encounter that. With your worst opponent being at Boston College. I mean, Temple's a quality team. Yeah. If they C- have Matt C- Rule, that's well, a tough game.
1: Certainly proven to be yeah. consistent and well-coached.
0: If with, they have Matt Rule, that's with, a hard game.
1: Yeah. 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 I. I mean, have you heard his name with any... Any jobs? I mean, I would think the Matt Rule is
2: going. He to... He turned down Missouri last year, um, so I mean, he, if he's already turning down bad Power Five jobs, that would imply that he's waiting for a good Power Five job. Yeah, uh, and there might there might not be any open this year. This is a really weird coaching cycle. He's got a good um, almost, almost Power Five job I mean, <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's in a good place right now. So you know, unless Oregon opens later in the week, um, I don't really know what the job would be. And he's a total East Coast guy, so I think going to Oregon would be a little bit strange. Um Yeah, I think he's a really good coach, but there's there's not going to be a lot of movement this offseason, especially with LSU-Texas being full, Notre Did Dame not got- moving, USC not moving. Um, no, no. Yeah, obviously not. <laughs> but, I mean, earlier in the year, that looked, sure. like, yeah. I mean, this looked like a—
1: Houston's open, but—
2: I mean, it's a, a non, it's a non-Power 5. Out, uh, he'll hang out at 10% Yeah, I mean, own. and the, the non-Power 5 jobs might be a, se- a good segue into our opinion of Notre Dame's coaching staff, because like, there have been, I think it, Mike Sanford is probably the best, the, maybe the only, um, guy that is in position to, to take a job like that, whether it be, um, you know, I think San Jose State may have opened, um, Nevada just opened, Brian Pullian was fired, uh, Houston's obviously open, um. What are what are your thoughts on, on Notre Dame's staff next year in terms of how many guys of the nine actually come back?
0: To twist it around a little, who is the one guy you don't want to lose from that staff? Because uh, mine's Mike Sanford. Yeah, I would say Mike Elston. Um, It'll be a bad loss too, but I, you would just congratulate him as head coaching job that year Yeah, so probably.
2: Yeah. I, Mike Elston would be the one, just as he's the recruiting coordinator. I think he's a good assistant coach, and I think he just he did good work this year. Uh, once Brian Van Gorder was yeah. let go, um, you know Harry He is is harder to figure out because the offensive line was really poor this year. Um, not, I think, and I think not just by expectation standards. I think they were just not great. I mean, Notre Dame allowed 28 sacks this year, that ranked, I think. 86 nationally yards per carry they were 66th uh rushing attempts they were 96th uh, and they you know, third down offense they were 65th. I mean they were mediocre at best in offensive categories and they were poor in a lot of them. So Do I mean, you I, think
0: Brian Kelly agrees with you? And I'm not being sarcastic.
2: I don't know how he couldn't. Like you know why I'm asking
0: you that, though, right? Because it doesn't seem like he agrees no, with this. No.
2: Um, but I just don't know how he can look at the offense and think, eh, everything's just tweakable and, and fixable that way. Now, he could look at that and say, like, the offensive line actually wasn't the problem. That receivers been, yeah. running the wrong routes was the issue, which I think was, was a problem. Um, did they have some injuries? I guess. Um, but there's, right, I asked, Brian Kelly about this Saturday night, and he said everything's on the table with the coaching staff, and everything should. should be on the table. But if you're going to start taking guys off of the table, Mike Elston would be the first guy I would take off.
1: Yeah, and I, well, first of all, I, you know, I mean, that's not realistic. We know that we know that there's a good portion of these guys that are coming back. Are, are coming back.
0: I think we, and, we have differing opinions, though, right? I think Pete thinks more are leaving than I do at least. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. But I I, I don't believe there's a chance I might. I guess. <laughs> Sorry, it's Notre Dame football. You pointed Brian. that out. I should not believe that Brian Kelly's back yet. I don't believe there's a good chance the, the Mike, that Mike Elston, Mike Denbrock, Paul Longo, or Harry hestand is not on this staff next year. And the only reason Mike Sanford wouldn't be is if he goes somewhere like UCLA as yeah, the at, offensive coordinator. Here's
1: the thing. If, if Mike Sanford leaves, it'll be like the most underutilized asset yeah. that Notre Dame's ever gotten on a I'm exaggerating, but I mean a very underutilized asset. We Right. What he was the quarterbacks coach, who, yeah. Who contributed ideas to the the game plan and the play calling. And I'd, uh,
2: I'd like to see Mike Sanford be promoted to offensive coordinator. That's exa- which I, is his position. I know, but I'd I, like yeah. to see him be promoted. <laughs> to actually to actually
1: be the play call. I mean, we've we said that and we we've talked about that. But I mean, can you imagine if Sanford walks out the door now? It would be like. Wait, they had Mike Sanford, and yeah. you don't really know what you had.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, defensively, I think you, Tim, you wrote this in your column just like clear the decks there. Get get your new DC. If they want to retain somebody, great. If You're they don't, them if, away. yeah, <laughs> if they don't, that's fine too. Um, you know, I think that, like, we all expect a change to be made at tight end special teams and Scott Booker. So maybe Elston moves over there. I mean, there's no reason he can't. Yeah, I was just kind of spitballing in
1: there. I mean, I don't know what the right mix is, but yeah. I think if you're going to get a, a new defensive coordinator, which obviously they are, I think, I guess.
0: Not according to Jeron Jones. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he doesn't but, make but a second I mean, yeah, the, the players are Players are, gonna say are always going to back the right. coaches. Yeah. For, yeah. Um, players for the most players part. are going to say And
1: they did. Look, the interim staff, they did, they did do a nice job. I mean, when you consider what they well, took yeah, over.
0: What their challenge was. Yeah, I mean. they,
1: they did do a
2: good job. Yeah, but... I mean, nat- their national <laughs> ranking in yards per play allowed was better than their national ranking in yards per play. And who looks at Notre Dame this year and thinks, yeah, yeah the defense and offense were about the same. Nobody looks at Notre Dame yeah. that way. People, the perception is, wow, the offense, Deshaun Kaiser, they're putting up points all over the place and the defense is just terrible. And that's just not the case statistically. When you look at the numbers, that's just not
1: true. But I don't think I don't think that the hiring of a defensive coordinator. Is, let, let's just go under the assumption here that we're that he goes outside the the current family to do it. You've got to allow that guy to bring in that's, the, that's whoever the, he, whoever he wants to bring in, right? They haven't done they didn't do that in the past. Obviously, they didn't do that that with Van Gorder. Although I'm not sure that Van Gorder had a long list of guys that wanted to. Follow him to Notre Dame, per se. But I think I mean, you're in agreement with yeah. that. that, well, I mean, that they need to do that.
2: And that's what they did with Diaco. I mean, when Chuck Martin flipped sides, who did they hire? Like, Bob Diaco's mentor, and Bob Elliott. Um, you know, when that defensive staff came in, Kerry Cooks and Bob Diaco had a working relationship. But
1: Kelly was comfortable with, with most
2: of those guys. Yeah. I mean, he said that he was, but it wasn't like all of them had worked for him at Grand okay. Valley at some yeah, point. Yeah. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah, Like, it was... Those guys were comfortable most with the defensive coordinator. Whether they had a relationship with a head coach didn't really make a difference. So I I think you at least have to get back to that. But I I was encouraged, again, you can take Kelly at his word or you cannot. It's up to you. I'm not going to convince you one way or the other. But I was encouraged that when he got up there and said, everything's on the table and we did not have the right mix of new ideas and continuity that that can be a positive sign for Notre Dame moving forward because that's not something he's ever really
0: said. And the only, they have done it once. It was kind of forced after 2011. They found Charlie Molnar another job. They've we'll done it twice. Tim Hinton decided he had to leave, and he gained tenure by going to Ohio State. It's yeah. worked out pretty well for Coach Hinton. They've done it. I mean,
2: let's figure, they've shuffled the staff two times. One year they went to the national yeah. title game. The other year they went 10-3.
0: Yeah, so, pretty good. 14 and 0. Yeah, coming up. Yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, new nine, nine new assistants. All right, but it, but it
1: it it also still comes back to and I address this in a point after as well that your offensive philosophy. I mean, we, this is just how we feel about it. Your offensive philosophy has to have a physical intent, and until you do that, it's going to
2: be sporadic, hit and miss. Yeah, I mean that's. That, that's how it is. Um, well, Mike Dembrecht said in the preseason that Notre Dame's offense works best when there's a physical running game element to it. Like That's what Notre Dame's tradition is built on, and they choose not to do that. Well, they choose to make it a matchup
1: decision.
0: Yeah, they made it a numbers game and a matchup decision. Yeah. It doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, which has nothing to do with physical yeah, intent. Physical... nothing to do with football. <laughs> right. even. I mean, but, but ultimately, that's what it comes down to is it's a numbers game and hats in a box. and For them. For yeah, them. Okay. right, right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah,
2: not that it needs to be. Um, I guess, I don't know, were there any sort of takeaways from Saturday that you feel like need to be addressed? I mean, we spent so much time on the big picture that we sort of ignored the small one. I think
0: the Tillery situation was odd for everybody. Um, basically, I've seen many message board takes on this. Look, Nico Fertitta made a physical play. Jerry Tillery made a weak play. Posts play. And his step on Zach Banner was the most physical... The only thing I remember him doing all game.
2: <laughs> yeah. I
0: don't remember Jerry Teller doing anything during the game. And that's a lot of games. <clears throat> Is he a criminal? No. Is he a thug? No. Like, I've seen on these things. But it was stupid. It was weak. I'm using a nice word instead of weak. And, listen. He deserves some scorn for it. If, if somebody well, would have no. stepped on Deshaun Kaiser from USC, our computers would have exploded. During the game, with how dirty USC's players are, am I right? Well, yeah. yeah you're I mean, right. Who, who's
1: <laughs> who's cutting him slack? I mean, I, look, it it was, it was a it was a terrible decision. It was a bad move, but it's atypical of Jerry Tillery. I mean, I see people saying, "Why well, I'm I'm done with them" or whatever. It was a really, really bad decision by Jerry Tillery. It's not like Jerry Tillery to do something like that,
0: correct? No, it's not. But it has nothing to do with playing with an edge. No, God, no. Nicky yeah, Fortino played with an edge. <laughs> That's a great hit, man. I didn't, I didn't realize that anybody <laughs> yes, was saying that yeah, Tillery there's, there's was playing
1: of... with, with, with an edge. That's not what that is. That's
2: Weak. stupidity. Yes. Weak. Yeah, I mean, that's he was a guy that finished the season with three tackles for loss, and he is the building block and, of your defensive line. And credit
1: show. having seen most of the game. Jacob Flint and Rob Hunt were right there. No, it started with, well, yeah, the first one was I, with. Uh, the kick. Cedric Ware, yeah. The only yeah. reason
0: I thought that was intentional is because of how the other guys reacted next to Tillery. Like, I looked at that live, I was like, man, I don't even know if he meant he to do that. But he
1: did. He, he he put his foot underneath his head and nudged it. He didn't kick him in the head. But still, it, yeah. he shouldn't even be near right. the guy. He, he so, for did. whatever reason, it, Jerry Tillery's frame of mind during that game was was not typical of, of what I think it normally is and what it should be. And then stepping on Zach Banner was just...
0: Yeah, because he's used to getting blocked, so it wasn't just because he was getting blocked all the time. He gets blocked every <laughs> game. He
1: does, but <laughs> I mean, I, I think Jerry Tillery, the, the entire body, the I future. think, I think the entire body of work this year was was better than I anticipated. You did Have a
2: low view. I did, <laughs> I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. I for me, I mean, for me, I expected him to have a took, really good year, and yeah, he did not. Right. I mean, you guys had options. Tillery, I, I would say Jerry Tillery's sophomore season was a big disappointment.
1: You had him super low. It's like when Bob Diaco yeah, I, was talking yeah, about the players. Yeah, interesting. I guess it's yeah. a matter of yeah. starting pers- the, the starting point yeah. our perspectives.
0: Remember when yeah. Bob Diaco talked about Isla Hardy and said how improved he was? We all started asking if he could start. And Bob Diaco said, no, 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 listen. <laughs> he was a very <laughs> low-graded player. That was you, yeah. Jerry Tillery, yeah. coming yeah. in. So. Yeah. Um, so,
2: no. News point of view, I think both of you guys talked to Kaiser after the game, said no decision. On the NFL, Uh, I guess we'll see what happens there. We can talk about that. Um, Torrey Hunter, I think, likely gone based on what C.J. Sanders put on social media on Sunday. That was, hey, great playing with you. I'm going to miss you. Um, We've been explaining that for the last year. Yeah, that's not a surprise. He's got a lot of good things going for him in life outside of football. Um, Beyond that, I mean, the... Niles Morgan, Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, Deshaun Kaiser, NFL draft advisory information, I guess is not too big of a surprise. Morgan would be the one of the four. You're like, eh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But Morgan, as I have talked I've talked to him about this multiple times about leading the defense next year, and he's very fired up to do it and and speaks in terms of, like, obviously I'm going to be here, but so
0: maybe it's just a a fact-finding. And
1: McGlinchey is, too. We already know that. I I asked him
0: after. I said, if you get a a first-round grade, does that change your mind? He goes, a first-round grade just makes me realize I got a first-round grade, but I've been pretty clear what I'm going to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Quentin Nelson, I don't think we've ever really put it to him about whether he expects to be back. true junior. That would... That would surprise me, I think, but I. It's worth investigating, and what's i would like to sort of get to the bottom of that. One, yeah, so we don't talk to Quentin Nelson very. I much. just
0: feel like he's a twenty-year-old in that le- the league at that position. That's a rough league. To go against thirty-year-old men fighting for their lives when you're twenty and a year, yeah. You can I don't. I mean,
1: him. I don't know that he's you know emotionally it's, ready it's to me. be an There's NFL of... player. And I, and I'm not, not not trying to disparage him in any it's way by saying that, yeah. but he, yeah, he's a, he's a kid, and I don't know that he's.
2: Wow, that's that's the big boys in there. Yeah, there's no question about that one. I and as far as like I think other news stuff that might be about it from the Ross and Fulston, we haven't really gotten any information on. I would think the fact that there was not a like one, I don't know, maybe Brian Kelly forgot somebody and Torian yeah, Fulston yeah, did request he a review. Could have, yeah, um, the fact that he didn't get one would make me think more about him. Doing a grad transfer, then right. coming back, but maybe he will come back. I, that's <laughs> what would the NFL? What would there be to evaluate? I
1: don't know. Um, other than a couple of quick bursts against Stanford, and you know he's been
2: pretty good. Old, uh, it's old Virginia team. Tech yeah. too. Old I thought there were a couple yeah. runs there too. But I mean, clearly he's a. Good athlete, but um, just hasn't really got much of an opportunity. I, I want
1: to talk about the Kaiser Wimbush dynamic. Maybe we can just go ahead and spill that into the second segment, or do you want to do it now? My, my, you're, well, you're I just you're started. Let's go. Well, okay, because you know, in in talking to Kaiser after the game, I mean, he's like, I don't have any idea how this whole process works, and it it, it wasn't like he was saying, yeah, maybe I'll come back, but I just kind of sense that he understands that this was not a very good year for him, and I do think that. Again, we've said this many times. The young receiving core had a lot to do with it, and I think the receiving core that was physically capable of being out there Saturday also had a lot to do with that. But you know, I'm getting a lot of feedback about people. They want to turn the page with with Kaiser, and they want to see Wimbush now. But what if Kaiser, what if Kaiser says, you know, God, I'm just, I'm not ready for the NFL, and maybe the grades aren't quite as good as they were earlier in the year. I don't know, but. I guess my whole point of this is I don't want to see another quarterback issue going into 2017. And, you know, what the coaching staff thinks and what the fan base and what the media thinks are two different things. But the fact of the matter is, if Kaiser comes back... The fan base is not going to be very happy about the quarterback situation. No, but Brian
0: Kelly would be because then he would have Deshaun Kaiser and Brandon Wimbush. And if one of them gets hurt, you have the other one. So it's pretty clear what the head coach wants in the situation because Kaiser's not a head case either. So you definitely want them back if you're Brian Kelly. Let's, okay,
2: just say this out loud Notre Dame is better off if a first slash second round pick at quarterback leaves.
0: They're not better off with that. That makes no sense. No, and also it's very important for people to note: if I'm done with Kaiser, I'm sick of Kaiser. He's 12 and 11. He was four and eight this year. Brandon Winbush would have been four and eight this year. You would be sick of Winbush right now. So he probably would be. Yeah. And if
1: Kaiser comes back next year, he has an experienced receiving core. I mean, at least some front line guys that have played. You have you have and, and
0: I like and the receiving core going forward, don't you?
1: Uh, I do. Year, I yeah. think it has to be a lot better than it was oh, this year. Yeah, but course. yeah, I yeah. do. I do. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I would expect it to be better. I would I mean it, it has St. to be better because yeah. that was Saint Brown terrible. Saint Brown was, was, St. Brown yeah, Brown was don't, good. Don't start you like it going forward? Saint Brown Stepherson, hopefully Alize okay. Jones or Claypool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I like the Boykin's potential got to get a lot
2: proved, better. But in terms of what it proved this year, I thought very, very, very little other than Saint
1: Brown. Saint Brown was Saint Brown was good from day one,
0: and he made his living. Between the hash marks, which yeah. is impressive. It yeah. wasn't uh, go out and get the ball. You're 6-5 yeah. against lesser athletes. Yeah, so they, I mean, they have a lot. I mean, I agree with you that
1: stuff. Kelly You know, Kelly looks as us like, great. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Wimbush is ready to play yeah. if I
0: need need him. But
1: we think Kaiser's
0: leaving still. I think Kaiser's leaving still.
1: I still think all things being equal, yes, he does. But I have a little bit more doubt now just because, man, he really played poorly. But the NFL's going to... They're going. They're going to know the receiving core that he played with, and some of the disadvantages that he played with. Yeah,
2: no question about that. All right, we'll get into questions for our readers next. Segment two, Irish Illustrated Insider.
0: Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, segment two, burning up the boards. BLCAS Burn. Am I ever saying that wrong? Is that supposed to be Blacksburn? He has a simple question. I think it uh, kind of encompasses what many are wondering. What the hell happened this year? What did happen this year?
2: I mean, it's look, it started to go wrong immediately when Brian Kelly could not choose between Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire because you needed to watch one game to realize you should have been able to decide between Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire. So that just got the season off to a terrible start. You know, the. Return to Brian Vagorder for a third year was a mistake. Yes. Um Brian Kelly had faith in a guy who had not earned it. And you know, that killed them. So between those two things, that got everything on a permanent downward track, and they just could not get off of it. Did things get a little bit better when they fired Brian Vagor? Yes. But the offense was a mess at that point. And they look, they just they had no identity all year. And that's how you end up at 4 and 8. And then, you know, the, uh, some of the, the, the
1: mainstays of a quality program, the lack of a consistent running game. You know, you mentioned Pete. I'd kind of forget, I'd forgot about the whole Redfield and the four freshmen yeah, <laughs> situation. Not that that necessarily impacted the season. Well, but, they
0: would have
2: beat Texas.
0: And Max they, Redfield would have been back. But, there but at
1: they safety. would, yeah. They. Yeah.
0: They... And we should remind people that safety play was absolutely hideous against Texas. That was part of the reason they lost the game. Yeah. I mean, well, it was bad bad all season. Right. But it was really, it was a quarterback.
2: The the
1: cornerback play was not very good against Texas either. But it's
2: like, I I hate to say this, but like if Max Redfield is on the team, they're at least six and six, which is not good, but still, you're better. You're in a bowl game. You have something, something happening. Um, You think he makes a two game
0: difference? I, I
1: think early in the season is obviously when he makes it. They're not one and three.
0: Right. Well, you could probably maybe, you could maybe beat Duke too. The studs still is just not ready for the. Yep. You know. Yeah. You could be Duke. You could beat Texas.
1: Or if you just had DBs as good as Duke playing for you, you would have been. Yes. Uh, if you just had um, Duke's DBs. You if they have t- the if Notre DBs tackle like Duke's DBs do, with the exception
0: of Julian Julie Love again, who say it again, greatest tackler in the history of greatest what? tackler in the history, <laughs> greatest tackler in the
1: history of the 2016 Nordame team. Go. How about <laughs> that? Uh,
0: so, yeah, uh, they did get better without Van Gorder. Worth pointing out, they're 3-5 without Brian Van Gorder. Still not bowl eligible. But I think the January started the problem. Not Frank Van Gorder was number one. Pete brought up something I already forgot about, that Kaiser and Zaire had a quarterback controversy. That's can't believe that existed either. Um, and totally cre-
1: totally manufactured. I, I would agree that Zaire oh, was played the them, better. Though. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was a oh, manu- yes, okay. manufactured competition because of... A Zaire's improvement during this preseason, and B because of Zaire's personality. Let's put it. And that yeah,
0: way. and he felt indebted to him, I guess. Which is <coughs> your fault as a coach. You can't feel indebted to someone when you have to try Kaiser. But Timmy brought up a uh, lack of physicality in the running game. Pete brought up the defense, and of course, another thing that separates good teams from bad teams, bad teams from very bad teams, and four and eight teams from the eighty that are going to a bowl game. The worst special teams in the country, bar none. They might be the worst unit in the country, offense, defense, special teams, among Power Five teams.
1: I think it's just hilarious. Because why would you, I mean worse? you? For, <laughs> yeah. your, your predictive skills are always good, but they were really good this last week. Num- number one with the score. Number two, your absolute guarantee that there was going to be a special team score by USC, but you were way off because they doubled I, I that. Totally <laughs>
0: underestimated <laughs> the ability to yeah. blow a game. But yeah, that's. I mean, we've gone back to the USC game. Pete mentioned the game ended at twenty four seven with an interception touchdown. I argued it ended when Adore Jackson brought back a kick return touchdown. One of those two did yeah. it, and you know what? That's kind of a sad thing because that's not how you're supposed to lose eight games this year. Was there seven games the special teams contributed greatly to defeat?
2: Yeah, it's I mean it's remarkable that their special teams were so poor when you factor in. Scott Daly was nearly perfect all year. Justin Yoon had, I think, a Either seven that. or eight field goal streak. Nine, right? Um, yeah. Was it nine chilly nine, yeah. at USC? CJ Sanders returned two kickoffs for touchdowns and had a third called back. They made a bunch of plays on special teams, but their to fumble, but their special teams errors were just so catastrophic and the, continual. The, the muffed punts. Kickoff return defense ranked 96 nationally, punt return defense ranked
0: 123rd. Um
2: they just made terrible, terrible. And, like, those returns, it wasn't just the touchdowns. It was, like, a big return right before the half, so you give up a field goal. The, those kinds of just the situational football that they played, it was like they made terrible mistakes at even terribler times, and it just happened all year.
1: <laughs> Which leads me. You knew I was going to get to my toe-to-toe uh, yes. battle. <laughs> <and go> somehow, <laughs> some way. Uh, yeah, it because I insist on Norde yeah. did go toe-to-toe with USC and my interpretation of that is that it's an off- offensively and defensively. They battle with them. They battle with them in the trenches. And I, I, I mean, I think this was the best combination of offensive performance, defensive performance, uh, value of the opponent that you played. And that was all blown by special teams. And of course, one bad, one bad decision and throw by Deshaun Kaiser.
2: All right, ZC727, do you guys think it's realistic to expect that Brian Kelly will be able to get a top-notch defensive coordinator under the circumstances? Everyone seems to agree that Kelly will be going into next season on the hot seat. So would a top coordinator make a move for what would be just one season?
0: I don't think a top coordinator looks at it as a move for one season. I don't think the coaches necessarily look at Kelly. They're not diving deep into 31 and 20 in his last 50 games and 16 and 16 or whatever it is. I think... He's a respected coach, and he could get a good defensive coordinator. I don't know what route he's going to go. Um, I don't know if he's willing to bring in a top-notch defensive coordinator that will then bring his staff. Because <clears throat> I don't think he's going to make as many changes as everybody else does. I think there's going to be a little bit of change and some tweaking. But uh, I don't think the one-season outlook is the way they look at it. I don't think they think I'm coming there I for mean, one look, year. I
2: mean, look, Dave Aranda didn't look at it that way. And everything blew up at LSU. Yeah. But guess
0: what? He still had a three-year guaranteed
2: contract at uh, more than a million dollars a year. And what happened? Now they're trying to give him even more money to stay. So, quality defensive coordinators will always have jobs, whether the head coach gets fired or not. That's how college football works. Yeah, There is a a shortage (laughs) of good defensive coordinators.
0: BVG got picked up right away? Yeah.
2: (laughs) To defend the triple option in a loss. So, look. Whoever they get, if he's good and things go sideways next year and it's a total staff cleaning, that guy will still have a job after. And he'll probably be getting paid by two schools in 2018 because Notre Dame would still have to pony up after a guaranteed and, deal.
1: It's, it's harder to recognize, quote, top-notch coordinators and his head coaches because right. not everybody studies all of that. I, I'm gonna, I am going to go back to the name from Wake Forest because I think that I think he's a top-notch defensive coordinator, but I'm not sure that if they hired Mike Elko that many people would look at that as a, as a great hire.
0: It's a great point because Bob Davey was a top-notch defensive coordinator and looked at it as, the, as such, and Bob Diaco was a top-notch defensive coordinator and we didn't know him. They are both top-notch defensive coordinators Yeah, when they came in, and people loved the Davey hire, and then no one really knew about Diaco and it worked out.
2: Yeah, no question. All right, Gr Irish Fifty, is there a special teams coach out there that Brian Kelly can hire to improve
0: the terrible special teams play? You guys, have,
1: do you have a list of special teams standout coaches? I
0: don't, but I heard you have a list of one that was whispered to you. What? He's on, he's ready to roll, right? Who tweak the staff a little bit, promote within? Marty Biaggi. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you were. I thought <laughs> no, I said I mean, the. He uh, said the point. Swiss
1: Army knife. Uh, yeah. Denbrock <laughs> might be able to no, solve no, it. No, no, but, but I mean,
0: wasn't that brought up at some point that Marty Biaggi would be the guy?
1: Uh, I, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, w- I, I, I would not rule out the possibility of Marty Biaggi being promoted. The um, um, uh, val- what, what, uh, analyst mm-hmm. that, that that works with special teams, he um, there wasn't a whole lot of quality analyzing going on with Notre Dame special teams. Although Pete, you just said that there were they made a bunch of plays in special teams, so maybe. Uh, Maybe, maybe maybe Marty Biagi had something to do with that. Well,
2: you know what? They made a bunch of special teams plays the year before too, and didn't have any c- catastrophe moments either. Yeah. And Marty Biaggi wasn't here yeah. for that. It was just I'm just football. saying
1: that uh, I didn't, it it did slip no, my it, mind yeah, there. I'm it. sorry. Um, that would not be a shock.
0: You know, uh, rugby punts, too. Jack just <laughs> slipped me a thing that made me laugh. There, there was no, uh, Um, I do think that this should be addressed though. They probably will not hire a special teams coach solely because. There's not room on the staff like that. someone's gonna be a dual role. Right? Oh, right. And yeah, right, right. uh right. I do think it will be a current coach. Like uh, Mike Elston was the special teams coordinator when they got here. Um Mike Dembrock's capable of it. I think they will he'll just find a new one from within and
1: can you coach can you be recruiting coordinator, special teams coordinator, and position coach? You
0: just have to worry about special teams during game day, right? That's what it seems like. <laughs> Buffalo Irish won <laughs> two thousand seventeen <You've been> saving it <laughs> <that> up all <laughs> week? No, I just thought of it. <laughs> 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 Buffalo Irish won two thousand seventeen way too early prediction over under eight wins.
1: I would I would definitely not pick under. I would definitely it might be 8. I no I would definitely not pick under. They are they are not going to only win 7 games next year.
0: 8 wins. Okay, I'm going to change this question because we're charge. 8 wins or un- or more. 8 wins or more regular season. 8 wins or less or more than that? Wait no. Are yeah. they going to win nine games yeah. or more? Or are they going to win? Eight well, games so or less? say uh, uh, <laughs> they're
2: saying the over/under is eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half. That's what you are asking. Um, five road games under. 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 I can't. I can't do the over on this one. Uh, I'm inclined
1: to lead towards over because I think they'll hire a defensive coordinator and maximize what they have along the defensive line, which is absolutely going to be a thing that I talk 100. Forty million yeah, how many times, more a, yeah. I mean, you're gonna, <laughs> Jesus. we're going to have guys know. I like to repeat line. myself, and I will be repeating myself about the defensive line scares me because I, it right now it looks it looks worse than I thought it looked a year ago at this
0: time. Oh yeah, it's right. A, it's a bleak situation. It
1: really is, which is why you need a, a quality defensive coordinator who runs a three man front that allows you flexibilities flexibility. With what's the area? Where did you have? You had linebackers this year, right? Yep. you had linebackers. You had a, you had an extra linebacker that you couldn't get on the field all the time. On while it was good, you I wanted Coney on the field. I wanted Morgan on the field. We wanted Martini on the field. Three man, three four front.
0: I'm all for it. Yeah. I say under.
1: So I guess my okay. My <laughs> <No>. <laughs> my point is that I'm hoping that a quality defensive coordinator sure. maximizes that situation, surrounded by basically everybody else returning at
2: all the other positions. Fresh 1619 is Notre Dame football. The Cubs under the Tribune Company ownership, happy to have a great brand and make money with no real plan or true drive to build a consistent winner. Or Cubs under Ricketts, painful, but now we can see a
0: five year plan to greatness
1: you have an opinion about that, Tim?
0: Um, I don't think... I, I mean, I think they know they need a winner. Um, if, if Brian Kelly didn't have a contract extension, I think he would have been fired after this year, is the way I look at it. So I, I think they were a little bit hamstrung with that. Um, well, it was more likely to have been fired if they so, didn't have to pay him. Am I right? The, the suggestion We, we that, agree on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's, if he was 4-8 and, and it had not been extended we would be much more concerned right sure. now having our podcast yes. in the morning yeah. thinking we might have to have one at night also. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think that they do know they have to build a winner. I don't think that they're trying to spin their wheels. I think they are currently spinning their wheels. I
1: don't for a second think that Notre Dame is just content to make money and they don't really care whether their program's good or not. Jack Swarbrick is in charge of it. He ne- There's never a day that he wakes up... Or he would be content with that scenario.
0: Yeah, I was trying to explain why they seem like they're spinning their wheels and are content because they were kind of stuck, a little bit stuck. Well, hey, look, we'll see what happens. When when
2: people say make money, it's not selling tickets and merchandise. It's ten and 50, twenty and fifty million dollar gifts. So if Notre Dame's development office comes back next year and they're like, "We're down four hundred million dollars," which is not unreasonable based on what they did the year before, they've basically set a record, I think for four straight years in terms of fundraising. It's insane what they do over there. But so much is contingent on the success of the football yeah. team that if they come back next year and it's like, uh, this to bring Brian Kelly back and have a lack of enthusiasm in the football program costs us in excess of $100 million, then buying a guy out for 10 to 15 is not that big of a deal.
1: And one of the points that I tried to make after the game, in the point after, was that, and and we know this. I mean, it could he could be a lame duck coach, right? Next year, you're you're still going to have an opportunity to get basically the same guys you had an opportunity to get right now if you chose to fire. Yeah, right. I mean, that's really
2: one of the most important points. It is,
1: and and I think yeah, I'm, I've been on the mic. McIntyre bandwagon since he was at San Jose State I thought it was, I thought he was really really impressive there to got fired when
0: he was 12 and one to yeah get I mean thank God, <laughs> uh, uh, thank
1: God thank God he came through this year to validate that a little bit but um he'll still be he'll still be available next year he's not going to leave Colorado right no there's not a I better job so, for no. for him to take so you know whether him or you know I don't know about Matt Rule, maybe he will still be at temple I he would be more likely to leave than McIntyre. Certainly, there will be other names we throw into this. I don't know PJ Fleck. You know, does where he goes from here? Look, don't if, like the if, whole
2: idea of a Mac coach. If they go ten and two next year and they lose by a point at USC, I would have a much different opinion of PJ Fleck than I do today, based on wins over Illinois and Northwestern. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's getting some real competition next year. You'll see like how much he can actually coach up. Because that's look, that's what it takes at Notre Dame. You're not you don't get to play a max schedule here. You don't get to play a biggie schedule. So you gotta do something. You gotta do a little bit more. But to answer this question, there's a $450 million construction yeah. project that's just about to finish, and they are trying to sell really expensive seats and suites over there. That's important. Development's important. They want to raise a lot of money through a bunch of different revenue streams. And to have a lack of enthusiasm in the, in the football uh, program is going to hurt that. And that that's a real decision maker, I think, around Notre Dame.
1: Mr. McBrogue asks, Why do Brian Kelly's quarterbacks get worse rather than
2: better with experience? I don't think that's accurate. No, that's... I mean, Tommy Reese got better. Everett Golson got better despite the turnover issues because his first year when he played, he couldn't do anything. He had to hand the ball off and hope the defense. I mean, he actually beat you. Remember when he tied the NCAA record for consecutive completions? Yeah. Um, he was really, really good. He got and worse
0: that year. People remember that, though. In November, yeah, he got a yeah, lot worse.
2: Deshaun yeah. um, Kaiser? he got he got he actually did get better from last year, if you are willing to acknowledge that Will Fuller had a lot to do with his success last year. He didn't have that. He had to deal with an offensive line that was struggling. He had to deal with receivers who didn't know how to get to where they needed to be. So... I think, and So, if you just look at Deshaun Kaiser's red zone statistics, he got a lot better. I think that's that's a really important sort of stat within the stats for him.
0: Fair question, though, because I think they're asking it in that Dane Crist never panned out for Kelly. Tommy Reese got better.
1: But there was a cap on how good he but was, there was ever a cap. going so to be. So, that's just, yeah. there was
0: a cap on how good he mm-hmm. was going to be. Um, we we kind of talked about this randomly, that if Tommy Reese never had to start 13 games as a senior, he would be looked at as... The greatest backup quarterback in Notre Dame history, and how important he was to it. Um, so we just kind of throw out Reese, Andrew Hendricks never got on the field. I don't know if he had an ability to get on the field at that level. Everett Golson, of course, had a good statistical year for a while. Yeah, I to know me Golson. That, I don't know. I, I don't know if the I. Inter, yeah, sign the interception out interceptions getting super, better. Yeah, the
1: interceptions interception supersede everything.
2: I mean, I'd go. Yeah. I'd just point to how he did in the red zone. He I'd, made a huge. Jump. He had eight turnovers in the red zone. Which was a huge jump from like not doing anything. Oh, I'm not doing anything. He'd rather sub. He'd rather kneel down. His completion percentage in the red zone in
0: 2012 was in the 30s. 30s, but he had turned it over eight times in the red zone. I mean, 30 percent. Yeah, but it weren't really, they? Were not intercepted though? I mean, I guess that's Golson will have to agree to disagree. I can't say that every Golson improved under Brian Kelly. Um, yeah, Kaiser. I, I, Kaiser I, lost all American linemen. Awesome running back that's showing off his versatility right now. Once in a generation. And a generation. once in a generation wide receiver with good complementary wide receivers. So, Kaiser, the jury's out. I mean, Kaiser could certainly prove this to be. I mean, if Kaiser were to come back, we would obviously see a much better Deshaun Kaiser than we ever saw, I think. Would you agree? I, I think he
2: will get better sure. next year. Okay. Um, but, I, I mean, I look at the, the issues that Notre Dame offensively. Some of them have to do with Deshaun Kaiser for sure. But I think to blame, people blame too much of what yes. happened offensively yep. on the quarterback. I just don't think it's fair to him.
1: Irish Moore 5. What players do you see transferring
2: at the end of the school year? Um, well, I mean, we talked a little bit about Hunter hanging it up. Maybe Fulston goes to Pittsburgh where his brother plays. Um, not sure about that. I mean, there are some guys that are buried on the depth chart, and it's just not.
0: Well, Zaire are, seems likely. Not. Yeah, Desire.
2: Yeah. Zaire. It's like. I don't know how those guys get on the field, like the you know, Justin Brent. Um how does he ever play? I don't I don't get that. Um you know, on the defensive line, I don't think anybody's going to leave there. It seems
0: like open open tryouts at least can be yeah. can be broadcast that way by the coaching staff. Yeah.
2: Um you know, I thought Elijah Taylor did not that he's
0: going to transfer. I yeah. thought he did some good things there. He did. We both looked at each other. Was that Elijah Taylor? And then two plays later he did it again. <laughs> He so, tackled a Dory Jackson in the game. I think he's the one. And Ronald Jones. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. Well, he had nine touches, I and I know good. on three he wasn't tackled. So I mean, he was looked good. good. I thought
2: he looked good physically. He looked like he belonged out yeah. there. Yeah. No, I mean, there's like Devin Butler. We expect him to leave. Um, Montelis
0: has kind of announced he's leaving. Yeah. So
2: it's – I don't there's, – there's so many spots – sort of up for grabs, at least rotation players. If they're really going to stick with this, we're going to play a lot of guys. Um, yeah, I'm just they, trying to
0: think by position. There's not many guys. There's who, a, who
2: would be disgruntled at, at, at
1: this point? I mean, it's too early for Barajas probably to be disgruntled, but he's behind some guys now.
0: Yeah, well, he's going to be behind more guys, too. But I don't know if he's... I mean, he's, he's, got, got, three three years, three, he's got three yeah, years left. of eligibility left. Yeah. Um, There'll be some medicals that clean things, some things yeah, up,
2: too. Yeah. Um, you know they have too many tight ends does somebody move there uh i i don't really know it's there's there's going to be somebody that were like oh i didn't really see that coming like it, it will be like if spencer perry decided to leave or dj morgan after redshirting like that's not something we would predict right, right but it seems like there's a move like that at every single program every single oh, yeah, season it's yeah. just cuz they're 19 year old kids and they're like, oh, yeah, I'd rather be closer to home. Or, you know, there's there's plenty of reasons that go into it. So there probably will be some transfers and probably a couple we, wouldn't, we won't have seen coming. Vic Irish 1, please assess
1: Notre Dame's staff recruiting efforts and success for this season in
2: 2018. Yeah, that's are EB minus. I mean, they've been stuck at 18 commitments for a while. Um, Pete Werner visited Ohio State over the weekend. That's a little bit of a red flag. He did... Let Notre Dame know that he was doing that on Wednesday of last week, so that's sort of you could bring the red flag down a little bit. But um, it's hard to look at the board and feel like, oh yeah, there. I see three or four guys that they're they're really in the mix for, and I'll be surprised if they don't get. I don't think you can find one guy that you look at and think, well, I'd be surprised if well, they didn't close a deal on that guy. Um, Brian Kelly's in home with Aaron Banks, and, and he stand. Today he's the four-star offensive tackle from California, uh, and I believe he's going to make a commitment on December 9th, So that's coming up. Notre Dame's in home with Elijah Hicks already. Then you just need to hang on to that one, uh, I guess. If the, and I guess if there was one guy that you could look at and feel like, oh, Notre Dame has a really good chance with, it would be Thomas Graham, the four-star corner from California. Um, but the rest of the board is is quite sparse. I mean, Josh Pascal from Maryland is. Supposed to visit for the Echoes in a couple weeks. It's, um, I think recruiting has been a victim of the season, really. I don't think you look at the recruiting effort and feel like, oh, well, if they had strategically approached it differently, it would be better or different. Four and eight is four and eight. It's hard. It's really yeah. hard to overcome that. I I just don't see a pitch that's going to get you beyond that. Now, there's no, well, there's
1: no. Well, there's certainly no pitch. Now the coaches, of course, will be on the road and there'll be more contact. So so some scenarios will start to arise. But as far as big name guys and wow, I I don't know how you what what pitch do you make? We're four and eight. We need you.
0: I, you know.
2: But you bring back all these starters, so right? It's not exactly. A situation exactly. where you're gonna, we need you, but we need you for a couple years down
0: the road. I'm gonna scrap this last question, um, mm-hmm. uh, in favor of one I was asked actually at the press box. What is the time necessary timeline for Notre Dame to make a defensive coordinator decision with the banquet coming up?
2: I mean, you, I don't think the banquet has anything to do with it. You
0: don't think it gets expedited at all for? No. So then it can just go to the new year when everybody becomes available to talk to.
2: Yeah, I mean, look the. Um, the coaching clinic, which is sort of a big time for interviews, is in Nashville this year, and I think that is the first weekend of January or December. Oh, I'm sorry, it's uh, it runs January 8th to January 11th.
0: So, I would think probably a lot of stuff would get done down there. Um, per usual, that's when we always find that's when these usually come through in the well, past. Who,
1: who would Notre Dame hire a defensive coordinator that's going to significantly impact a recruit? No one. Unless, so,
2: it's so. Unless it's Charlie Strong. Unless Charlie Strong. Yeah, it's Charlie Strong. I should, <laughs> we should double yeah. back on that one. Yeah. But, it's, I mean, is Charlie Strong 72 hours after getting fired at Texas going to be like, yeah, I'm ready to just jump right back into this, guys, um, when he's getting paid more than $10 million? More than $10 million. And that number, of course, is impacted by yeah future employment. So, so I would think that it they'll take some time on the DC, especially because if you're hiring a DC who's any good, he's probably still coaching. At his current employer and probably wants to finish out the season. And I just don't think the recruiting gains that you're making are so significant right. that you need no, we need you we need you here right Unless now. Unless it's the splash guy. Yeah. Like
0: obviously Dave is not leaving to uh no. December eighth.
2: Yeah, it's like just if it's Mike Elko from Wake Forest, that's not a situation where I feel like if Notre Dame rushes that and brings him in, in on December third that's gonna make a real significant impact on this on the class overall. It would help. I mean it would help reassure. Like I don't I don't think you can go to the coaches clinic and not have your staff really in order that you're that you can go sell it to the prospects. But just to have it done this week just so you can get out on the road and visit I don't think that's a huge, huge issue.
1: What is I mean what is Hudson do in the
2: interim? I don't know. You would think that like he did a- enough this year to probably get a good job somewhere else. Yeah. Um If not at Notre Dame as like you know the linebackers coach, but...
1: but we don't know he's ruled out by Notre Dame either. No.
0: There's a lot of names on this list that they're gonna have to start ruling out because you have Greg Hudson involved. You didn't see coming. You have Jeff Quinn involved still on the staff. They have to start making some moves. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be the top. No. That's not the, that's yeah, not the it's like you don't have
2: to have wait to do January interviews at the <laughs> AFCA convention, but I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of closed the deal on some guys um, that they're they're trying to make a move. Well,
1: and let's face it, this whole this conversation, this whole process has already begun. It probably it did before Saturday mm-hmm. to some extent.
2: Yeah, it's a uh, the the timing issue that is makes it most awkward is the fact that Notre Dame's not in a bowl game because <laughs> usually we would. not you wouldn't have to really get this run out. There wouldn't be any expectation of making a coaching staff change while you're preparing for your own bowl practices. Right. Right. Um, so right. you're probably not expecting that to happen to somebody else either. We will be back uh, for our next Irish Illustrated Insider podcast next week, December 5th. Of course, if there's some breaking news in the interim, we will come back with an emergency podcast. If you're not, but on the assumption that there won't be. We'll be back next Monday, December 5th, for the next edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by Tim Brichert and Tim O'Malley.
0: Still don't know what I was waiting for the Time was running wild million dead in streets And every time I thought I'd got it made Seen the taste was not so sweet Then I turned myself